Welcome to Ink Drinkers, a literary tea party podcast where we discuss books and drink tea. Oh, yes, we're recording. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I hear the paper turning. (laughs) How are you? Just turning my pages. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> um, tired. I've been. We're so we're moving. By the time this episode airs, we will have moved into our new office. But I've just been working nonstop to get us to the point where we can move. So it's been exhausting. Yeah, any move is exhausting. Yeah. But it gives you the opportunity to clear out things that um, which, pile up over time. Which years. feels awesome. Yeah. That part. Fresh um, starts. Yeah, that I'm loving. Yeah. The working all weekend. <laughs> I'm not Not loving. so much. But it's all good because in three days, it'll be done. It's awesome. Yeah. What have you been up to? Well, that's your Freud and Freud. <laughs> That in three days, something will be accomplished? Yeah. All right. Well, I'll take it. You're in the process. You've gotten thus far. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) What did you ask? Sorry. I just asked what you've been up to. Oh, um, I've been hanging out with Lucia and some friends. Um, Nothing too much. I mean, I've been working on on a project that I just finished that will eventually need some tweaks but I'm pretty I was excited about it it's a, um like a brochure for one of my clients um for her to do some um client attraction oh cool uh but it was cool and it was fun to do and I enjoyed it and I sent her like a very like a snippet at the beginning of the week when I started it just to make sure I was going in the right direction because her only direction was I just need you to make it pretty <laughs> Of course. Um, great, great. And direction. when I sent it to sent her like the first two pages, she was like, "Holy cow, Marissa, you designed this!" And I was like, "Yes." Does that mean you really like it? <laughs> um, so that was fun. So I, I sent her that on Friday um, afternoon. I haven't gotten a response back because she's out of town, but um, I'm hoping that she really likes it. Yay! That's awesome. Yeah, um, I- but that's that's about it. That's been like the main things that I've been dealing with um, or or doing. Cool. And reading books, obviously. Oh, yes. Yeah. I've been reading a string of mediocre books. <laughs> yeah. It happens. I don't know if it's my stress level or my mood or the books themselves, but... Probably a combo. Yeah. But, um... Is it... I think it's your turn. Okay. Well, then I'll just get into it. Um... My book is Carrie Soto is Back. <laughs> but did you read it? Yeah, I did. Okay, I, so it's not my favorite. I So I almost did this one, except that it wasn't my favorite. It's not my favorite either. It's Taylor not my Jenkins favorite. T- not even close. But I, 
I appreciated the aspect of tennis, especially with Serena Williams announcing her retirement. And I am not a big tennis person, but I just thought that it was kind of neat that it went hand in hand. And I feel like the reason why I decided to do this book and recommend this book was, one, I thought it was well-written, but two, if you are a tennis fanatic or an athlete of some kind, I think you would enjoy this book. So I definitely, I mean, I agree. I have been with the whole, you know, thing that's going on with Serena Williams in her last major tournament and all that kind of stuff. Like the other night I was at dinner with my parents and there was, you know, TVs in the place and they had the matches and I was like, I actually know what's going on. (laughs) Um, and, And before you get into it, the other positive thing I'll say about this book is that the way that Taylor Jenkins Reed writes her characters, I'm like, Carrie Soto is a real tennis player. Where is she at the U.S. Open? You know, like, yeah, for you, sure. You feel like they're real people. Well, she researches it yeah. so well, and she's done that with a bunch of her other books, and that's what makes her writing a little different to me because um, kind of like how you said previously when people – in movies and shows or books or whatever discuss a topic similar to film I think is what you had discussed and they don't do it right you're just like it's so simple just research it you know um and she thoroughly researches her her subjects um and I don't think that she knows a bunch about certain things ahead of time and she delves into it while she's writing um and so what you get is a super historically accurate truth, but also fiction. And you can't, you don't know the difference. And you do want to look these people up like this person has to exist. Like when I read Daisy Jones, exactly. I was like, this is nonfiction, right? right? This band really existed, right? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> um, and so again, this is not my favorite of her books. I will say that I I think for me personally, um, Daisy Jones and the Six was probably my favorite. It is so well done. It's so well done. And I the audiobook specifically, which is what I liked about this audiobook as well. You if you're gonna read this book, I think you need to read the audiobook version because of the back and forth with um I just thought it was really neat that she does the anchors. Like the sports oh. anchors coming in and it's like, duh, 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 like the music of it. And it's like Carrie Soto. I did love that part of it. I didn't love the main narrator. I didn't love the main narrator okay. either. I thought that she should have gone with Julia Whalen, who did a few little. But you know why she didn't, right? No. Okay. Oh, so well, because she just did her book. Is that why? No. No, because the main character is Hispanic and uh, Julia Whalen is not Hispanic, okay. which I'll just throw in real quick. There are some people out there who have an issue with the fact that Taylor Jenkins Reid, who is a white woman, wrote a book with a main character who is Hispanic. Okay. No, I didn't know any of that. Because it's not like an own voices book. So. Okay. Okay. Well, I didn't realize that. Um, Yes. But going into that, let me get into the story a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I just wanted to. Yeah. So Carrie Soto, um, yes, is a Hispanic tennis athlete pro. Um, She starts off. It starts off in 1955, um, and it goes all the way up to 95, 96. And I liked how they kind of did that back and forth. So in the very beginning, it's actually the 1994 U.S. Open, um, and Nikki Chan, who is the current uh, 
it it girl in tennis, um, she ties Carrie's record. Carrie has since retired. I think it's been about six years or something, six or seven years that she's been retired from tennis. Because she's she old. Yeah. She's 37 <laughs> years old. Um, currently, she retired six or seven years ago at around 30. And so she is sitting in the stands and she cannot believe that Nikki is about to, you know, tie her. So she decides that she is going to get back in to tennis for one final season and she's going to defend her titles. And so the story really is um, about her and her legacy in tennis and her coming back. And obviously it's called Carrie Soto is back (laughs) and she does have to train and do all that. And they do delve into her life prior to when she was actually in the circuit and she was the top of her game. And, you know, she is not a likable character at all. Yeah, she's really she's, she's really, really kind of an awful person. She's kind of an awful person. Um, she's not kind. She is straight up about winning and competition and being the best. And she doesn't care who she knocks down to get there or what she has to do to get there. Um, she also, her, her life um, prior to that, her childhood, you know, her mother dies tragically when she's a young child. Her dad is obsessed with tennis, but he never made it to, you know, be a pro or like a, you know, big star in the tennis world. But he immerses himself in tennis and he has told her from a young age that she is going to be the best that ever lived. So in her mind, that is what she has to rise to. And, you know, you tell little kids certain things and you say it a certain way and some kids just latch on to that. And so that is her identity. And that's the only thing that in her mind she can be. Is the best, is at, the tennis. best at tennis. Um, you know, she doesn't have friendships. She doesn't have a lot of relationships. She um, is a bit promiscuous during her time, uh, like during her heyday. Uh, and she kind of just in her, I don't think that she thinks that she's worthy or that anyone's going to love her. So it, she, but she also craves that, like she wants to be loved so much, but she's not going to allow anyone to make her feel inferior or to feel like she doesn't want to get into the relationship because she doesn't want the crumbling of the relationship. That's true. But one neat thing that I think Taylor Jenkins Reid does is she sometimes will put, especially her most recent novels parts of the past novels into the story. So I didn't realize until, you know, quite a few chapters in that Carrie was actually in Malibu Rising. Yep. So spoiler alert, if you haven't read Malibu Rising and you'd like to, you may want to skip a little bit. I'm just going to quickly say this. But um, so Nina Riva, who is the main character in Malibu Rising, um, her husband is a tennis pro. And you find out in Malibu Rising that he actually starts cheating on her with another female tennis pro, and it happens to be Carrie. Yeah. And so that also plays out in Carrie Soto is back as well. Um, I do like that like crossover aspect of yeah. of her books when yeah. it happens. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just think that the timing of the book with Serena Williams announcing her retirement and playing at the U.S. Open, and she's forty, um, she's retiring at forty. And Carrie, you know, they talk about she's 37 and she can't possibly be at the top of her game and she can't possibly, you know, do all these things that she sets out to do. Um, And we see if she can or she can't, you know, like that's kind of the whole thing. Like, is she able to do this? 
but also I think the story, um, I don't want to say she's mellowed because I don't think that that's the right word, (laughs) but she, I think as you get older and you have more experiences, you do start to see what things are important, um, and maybe change your mindset on things that you were a little more staunch on in the, as, as a younger person. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, so, yeah, uh, just a quick thing. Her dad is Javier Soto, and he is kind of her biggest cheerleader. He is her original coach back in the day. Um, and they talk back and forth in Spanish to one another throughout the book. And I didn't realize the issue with Taylor Jenkins Reid not being a Hispanic yeah, and um, that was one of the things that, that, you know, critics have brought up is okay. like that there was so much Spanish in there the was. book and she is not a native Spanish speaker. Yeah. And, you know, perhaps um, like someone said, there's more Spanish in this book than uh, books written by Latinx authors, you know. There really was and I, I it didn't. It was a ton. A ton. Um. So I don't know. I guess uh, check it out if you feel so inclined. Uh, inclined if you have read Taylor Jenkins Reid in the past and you've enjoyed her her writing style, and especially if you are an athlete or were an athlete or grew up around that or loved tennis, I do think that this is a book that you would enjoy. Um, but you know, yeah. I look. I liked it. Um, just like I said, it wasn't my favorite of hers and I felt like this book more so than her other books was like this happened and then this happened and then this happened yeah I can see that it it wasn't as much more than like a development development, kind of thing um but I do think that it was the the fact that it kind of went back and forth in time a little bit definitely improved the book in my opinion so I agree those are my thoughts for whatever they're worth (laughs) tell me about your not so great read (laughs) okay so it really was a it was a good book and I really enjoyed it the reason I'm saying it's not great is because I'm comparing it to um the book is is called Bloomsbury Girls by Natalie Jenner and it's technically the second in a series the first of which is the Jane Austen Society um You don't have to have read the Jane Austen Society to read Bloomsbury Girls. However, I do suggest it because the Jane Austen Society was so, 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 so good. And Bloomsbury Girls is really good. But when you when you put it next to the Jane Austen Society, it's, you know, mediocre. Sure. (laughs) Um, So as you know, I don't read things about books before going into them so I was thinking like Bloomsbury Girls I was thinking it was going to be the publisher Bloomsbury Ah, okay um it's not there was it's sad that I don't know this but if if Bloomsbury Books which was the bookstore in the novel I don't know if it was a real bookstore in London or not but um that's the bookstore where all of the action in the novel takes place. And it's a used and new bookstore. It's this huge, like, multi-level bookstore. There's, like, a basement where they do research. And there's, like, I think, like, the third floor is where they have the rare books. And, it, I mean, it's just this huge, huge bookstore. It honestly just sounds like a department store for books, which is just a dream. 
Let's just say that. Um, I think that would be overwhelming. It Okay, it is a little bit because if you go to, um, oh, what's the bookstore in Austin? Book book people? No, I can't think of what it's called, but it's, um, yeah, it's quite large and it's a little overwhelming. Yeah, I but, think I prefer like a boutique style. I agree. But I kind of prefer that in all things, <laughs> yeah. like hotels, shopping experiences. Just boutique everything. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Um, okay, so the book takes place in 1950s London, so we're just, you know, post-World War II, um, and it follows three main women, the Bloomsbury Girls. So we have Vivian... Um, she works in the fiction department. Her fiance was killed in the war. So she's, she, she comes from like a lower class family and her husband was an aristocrat. So she's kind of caught between these two worlds. Um, we have Grace who is supporting her husband and her two sons because her husband after the war just isn't the same. He can't work. He's also kind of awful, but she's supporting her entire family on her bookstore salary. And then we have Evie, who comes from the Jane Austen Society. She's one of the crossover characters. Um, and she is one of the very first class of female students to earn a degree at Cambridge. Ah, uh, okay. Um, so at this bookstore, it's 1950s. You can imagine the men are in charge. Sure. And these women know that if they were just given the chance, that everything would be better at this bookstore. <laughs> um, they're somewhat given that chance because at the very beginning of the novel, the manager of the bookstore, um, he has a, a medical issue. Like he has a seizure and his doctor tells him, you've got to sit out for a while. You can't work for a while. And so the hierarchy within the store kind of flip-flops a little bit and they all change positions somewhat and so the women are given a little bit more power than they're used to and they start doing things the way they want to do things um and you know they've they've so grace and vivian have been friends for a while evie is new to the bookstore okay um but the three of them kind of quickly become a little trio and you know they stick up for each other and do what needs to be done to support each other um, so there are appearances in the novel by some true historical literary figures. So we have Daphne du Maurier, we have Ellen Doubleday of Doubleday Publishing, mm. um, we have Sonia Blair, who is the widow of George Orwell, um, we have Samuel Beckett. Peggy Guggenheim, like all these big names and they right. all make appearances throughout the That's book, neat. which, yeah, it was just so fun. Yeah. I love, I mean, we both love like history built into exactly. novels. Yeah. Exactly. Historical so fiction. I loved that aspect of it. Um, and I, I don't want to say too much more, but, but these women, um, they have plans for the store and they're trying to figure out how to make them happen. So... Ladies with plans. <laughs> yeah. What, I liked that it was women supporting women, that it was, you know, um, as always, I enjoy a book about, like, strong, powerful women. Um, and it was just fun and entertaining and funny, and it was kind of cozy, 
you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I liked it. Great. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I don't remember. I think the narrator did a good job. I mean, obviously it's British, mm-hmm. so that's always fun. Um, but I can't remember who narrated it, but I, I feel like they did a good job in, in my mind, in my memory, (laughs) but we are drinking a British inspired tea today. It is from the Republic of Tea. It's from the Downton Abbey, uh, collection and it's Daisy and Mrs. Patmore's plum black pudding tea, plum pudding black tea tea whatever sorry (laughs) got my words mixed up a little bit what do you think of it before I I like it I don't have super strong I'm kind of indifferent I think it's good (laughs) it's a good tea but would I drink it all the time probably not I wouldn't think I would not think to brew it all the time so I tried this a couple weeks ago um and yeah, I haven't had it since. This yeah. is the first time I've drank it since. I, it's good, but... Yeah, it's good. Um, what are the notes? What accent would you like the notes in? Definitely British. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, if you could do it in... Uh, <laughs> just kidding. In French? Yes, please do it in, Please do the Downton Abbey. <laughs> the plum pudding black tea. Wait, I went like Russian there for a second. Sorry. <laughs> um... Now I have to get back into my British accent mindset. German, definitely German. <laughs> Stop! You're you're confusing my brain. Plum pudding black tea. The traditional flavors of plum pudding, baked fruit and spices are married with the vit vit. <laughs> Apparently, I can't read in my British accent. Married with the virtuous flavor of vanilla in a premium black tea base. This heartfelt cup is perfect for high tea and is equally good paired with a hearty sandwich or sweet biscuits. I do wish we had some sweet biscuits. Oh yeah, sweet biscuits would be ideal. Ingredients are black tea, natural creamy vanilla flavor, cinnamon natural flavor, natural plum and cinnamon flavors, elderberries and blackcurrants. There is kind of a lot going on with this tea. Also, I've been watching... Ted Lasso again. Yes. <laughs> so Ooh. I was channeling my Jamie Tart right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was very Jamie Tart. <laughs> yeah. So there was something I wanted to tell you about and that just um, spurred my memory. Hold on. Let me find it. I felt like it's just been a rough week. I've been working so much. I've been exhausted. I was So when I would get home in the evenings, I'm like, what am I going to watch? And I decided, you know what? I just need a dose of happiness. So. Yes. This isn't, I mean, as happiness infused as uh, Ted Lasso. But in the same vein, have you heard of Welcome to Rexham? No. So Welcome to Rexham is on Hulu and it is a documentary. Wait, I think I know what you're talking about. Okay. Is it an American coach that go? Nope. Yeah. Okay, never mind. There's another show. Okay. I'll, t- I'll figure it okay. out and tell you later. This is Ryan Reynolds and Rob McHenley. He's the guy in um, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He's one of the actors on that yeah, show. Yeah, I know you're talking about, but a doc. Rob McElhaney, sorry. A documentary? So, <laughs> in 2020, right after 2020, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney, I think I'm saying that's right, that right, they decided to buy Rexham 
club. Okay. Soccer club. Okay. Or, sorry, not soccer. Football club. <laughs> Football. Football club. <laughs> um, and basically, they're at one of the bottom tiers. They're not even in the – I think they're in the National League. They're not in the – whatever. Premier. The, Premier League. Um, they've had a lot of issues. The town itself is just kind of surrounds themselves with this football league, and it's just been really depressing the last few years. They don't have the money coming in to really support the team and to get great players and great coaching staff. And with Ryan and Rob coming in, they have like this whole vetting process and the people in the city go out and vote if they are going to allow them to purchase. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So, I mean, this isn't really a giveaway. They purchase it and the documentary is them trying to get them back into the Premier League. And we haven't finished it, but it's – kind of uplifting and it's really interesting it goes hand in hand with Ted Lasso and I think that you would enjoy it once you finish Ted Lasso or to give you a same feel without you know like a um like a read-alike but I was gonna say watch-alike but that sounds weird so but anyways it's been good so far Michael and I have enjoyed it so far I think we're only in like episode three though okay so it's a docuseries okay cool okay but wow that's um I've never cared so much about soccer slash football in my life. Yeah. I actually have never liked the sport until Ted Lasso. Yeah, same. I still don't want to go sit and, like, watch an actual game. I would go, like, to a Premier League game if I was in wherever they are in England. (laughs) (laughs) That's how much I know. If you're hanging out in England, you'd go to a match, you mean? Yes, but... Do I really want to do that? No. Do you really want to sit there for an hour and a half? No. Two it's kind of like, you know, if I was in Chicago, I'd go to a Cubs game. But, like, I don't care about baseball. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it would be a cool experience. I think it would be fun. I'm just, just like, I don't want to sit at an LSU baseball game that often. Uh, yeah, I don't. I just think baseball is too long for me to sit through a whole game. Hey, you, come see. Teddy is like, y'all are done with this episode. Time to play with me. We've calmed the beast. Sorry. Yeah, you should check out Welcome to Rexham on Hulu. I will do that. That's exciting to have another show to add to my list. Yep. I don't necessarily have a keeping me sane so much as just an announcement to say that I am an aunt. (laughs) For the second time. Yay! Um, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law had a little baby boy on August 31st. His name is Miles. And he's so cute. He's very cute. And we have only really been around him once. Lucia has not met him yet. Oh, so we that's going to be so um, sweet. It will be. She's never met a baby smaller, like younger than her. When, I love it when Margot sees smaller babies. She's like, baby baby (laughs) we're like "Mm -hmm, you're a baby too (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um but yeah so that was an exciting thing this past week um mine is that even though I'm working all weekend my parents are keeping Foster and Margot because my brother and sister-in-law are in New Orleans for the LSU opener um so I'm going to try to go over there for a meal or two so I can hang out with them. Fun. Yeah. That sounds awesome. 
Yeah, that's definitely keeping me sane because that's something like I'm going to be working all day and then I have dinner with him to look forward to. Yeah, so it's always nice. Sunday family dinner. Ah. <laughs> well, until next time. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out the show notes for the full list of books we discussed today. You can find that in your podcast app or on our website, inkdrinkerspodcast.com. And please support us by subscribing anywhere you listen to podcasts and leaving a review. You can find us on Instagram and on Twitter at inkdrinkerspod. Cheers.